I don't really know how to start shows. Come on now, don't start, don't start liking me now. So yeah, I'm funny compared to, you know, well you'll see later. I stand for mayhem! I know a lot of fucking idiots who think a lot of shit is mean-spirited just because it goes against what they believe. But the relief of comedy is it takes things that aren't funny and it allows us to laugh about them for an hour. We got a purple suit to buy and a gigantic coffin. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Why You Laughing, a history of comedy podcast here in Pawtucket, Rhode Island at the Vaulted Podcast Studios. Today, I'm pleased to introduce you to the great Sam Kinison. And uh, the gang is all back. Shout out to uh, Chef Lewis, our boy is yeah. here. He has uh, fed these savages, oh, so uh, hopefully they'll... Be paying attention this episode. <laughs> We're in a Mexican standoff in the next room. Who's going to uncover the food first? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to be rude. Jesus. <laughs> if this group walked into a restaurant, their knees would shake. <laughs> oh, God. We're not prepared. <laughs> Did the Cisco delivery come in yet? <laughs> uh, so, yes, today we are talking about uh, the legendary Sam Kinison, uh, one of the rock stars of comedy. And uh, he is a guy that, like, I mean, he has a ton of influence. Like, if you look at guys now, he has a ton of influence. He never really did much for me because I think, like, his style just wasn't for me. Yeah. But, like, when you watch him now, you can tell, like, oh, he sparked a generation of yeah. comedians. But uh, how many hours did he do? Um... I don't know. I know that would determine how if if he's on Craig's Mount Rushmore. Oh, that's you know what? That's a good point. That's a good point. He had an album. Had, by the way, he has an album that came out uh, posthumously called uh. "Live from Hell," which I think is one of the best <laughs> names of, of an album. But uh, yeah, that's true. He might not fit Craig's criteria. Yeah. Of, yeah, the uh, the one public of the agreed with me. Oh, great. The right. Public. Public. <laughs> All these people listening. Yes. Um, so yeah, uh, if we start right at the beginning with uh, old Sam, uh, hit by a truck at age three. <laughs> that's that's where we begin with this guy. Uh, Sam Kinison suffered brain damage after he was hit by a truck and is not the only extremely famous comedian that that happened to. Mm. I guess Roseanne. Roseanne. Same thing. Uh, brain damage. And it's funny because I like- I, I mean, she sounds like she got hit by a truck. Yeah, that one makes a little more sense. I can, <laughs> looks, yeah. looks like she got ran over by a truck. But I suppose, uh, ignorantly, I always think of brain damage as like he's not able to function. And it's funny that like what happened with it, like I don't think a lot of people think of brain damage this way, but evidently what happened, and you know, th this is how the story goes. I don't know. It's hard to say because at three years old, I mean, you have kids. Tell me how wrong I am on this. But like, would you be able to notice a drastic personality change with a oh, kid yeah. at three? You yeah, would? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the story goes that Sam at three was like, you know, this fun-loving, uh, happy-go-lucky kid. And then uh, after the accident, his entire personality changed and became very serious. And uh, a lot of people think that's where, you know, the real Sam Kinison uh, was born. Also, mm -hmm. as a child, I guess, uh, his parents got divorced. His, uh, his father was a preacher. Uh, his parents got divorced. And one of the brothers went to live with the father. While uh, Sam and another brother lived with their mother, um, and evidently Sam did not like that. Sam wanted to go with the father, and that caused a lot of his uh, angst as a youth as well. And I think Bill Kinnison, uh, Sam's brother, in his book wrote that that's part of both between the accident and you know his father um, uh, kind of split, not splitting, but like not being able to live with his father. That kind of shaped Sam and started a lot of the uh, anger that you saw with him on stage. So, again, another sh probably a shock to a lot of people, but another bad childhood in comedy. Who would have guessed it? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Weird. Uh, so Sam and, and all of his brothers are both, mm. I forget if there were three, two or three brothers, uh, but they all followed in old dad's footsteps. They all became preachers. So Sam, uh, right out of school, went into the uh, ministry and... I think we have a little bit uh it's very weird. Yes. <laughs> it's very weird. His I, I think it might surprise a lot of people that his uh his sermons or whatever you give when you're religious, uh they were not that far off from his stand up. Here's a clip of uh Sam imagine. as a preacher. Woo! I've done it, brother. I've done it. I've screamed at God at the top of my lungs, because that's how much I believe in him. Amen. That's how personal I feel like my relationship is. If I can't be myself with the Father, then I'm going to stop preaching this gospel. And then 
then he just changed it to I don't believe him and became a stand-up. <laughs> it really is like the tone and cadence is not much different. That's got to be so strange at a yeah. church. I feel like you're re- fire and brimstone is the uh, the term that they use yes. for his uh, his his style, I guess. Um, but uh, Sam got divorced in '74, I think. Um, yeah, his his first divorce. And that kind of changed his religion, I guess. Like from that, um, he left the uh, he left preaching and became a stand-up. And it's kind of a natural. I forget if we talked about this at all um, in the Chris Rock episode, but Chris Rock's uh, father was also a preacher, and it's a very natural. Like you wouldn't think of that because comedy's generally so filthy and everything. But it is a very natural. Like you're performing every week, yeah. and preachers come up with a new act every week. You yeah. know, so it is. It's kind of a natural thing. Like if you're able to do one and also able to make people laugh, it's a very natural uh, uh, next step. I think a new act every week. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I like it. <laughs> um, so where are we going next, Matt? Well, when he left. All right. Let, let's hear uh, Sam talk about that. Were you a serious minister? Yeah, I was. I was. I just have uh, kind of a relationship with God, you know? It's kind of like Colonel Sanders' fried chicken. It's got several secret herbs and spices. Why did you leave it? Uh, that was I, a good moneymaker, wasn't it? I became disillusioned. I, I was never into the offering side of it. You know, I'd put out a basket and I'd say, hey, if I've blessed you and you want to bless me, here's the basket. I didn't do very well, actually. <laughs> you were not a good minister. No. Well, not financially. I didn't, I didn't rake in the bucks. This is before the big satellite boom. You could have your own TV station, your own channel. And you, and you left it, why? Because it wasn't proving fruitful? Well, I got a divorce, and it was like 1978. And I sat my family down Christmas time. I said, you know, I'm leaving the ministry. And they thought I was going through a phase. And they said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to be a comedian. <laughs> they went, you know, yeah, sure. And I said, no, really, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be a stand-up comic. I think I can make people laugh. I've made them laugh in church. And if you can make people laugh in church, you can make them laugh anywhere, I think. <laughs> Imagine if Sam Kinison just became Joel Osteen instead of oh like one of the great comedians. <laughs> <laughs> you go to hell. You are fucked. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, he would have fit perfectly on uh, Righteous Gemstones right now, now yeah. that I'm thinking of it. <laughs> um, but, like, my big takeaway when we talk about influences is uh, I hear a lot of Doug Stanhope and Kinison. I don't know if you guys agree with that at all. Kinison, uh, I would say him and... Um uh, what's his face? Uh, the dude that uh, uh, come on, they stole from. Get to <laughs> oh it. my god, what the hell? My brain just stopped working. The dude that they stole from. Oh. Let's all take a guess. D- Dennis, and- Dennis Leary uh, Dennis stole Leary's. from. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Bill Hicks. oh boy. Oh well, we'll get to that. Jeez. Wow, my brain just shut off. My apologies. That was the least professional yeah, he sound, thing he sounds I've like ever Stan, done here. He sounds like Stanhope down to the stuffy coke nose too. Yeah, you can hear it when he's talking. He, I think there's a, there's a lot of Stanhope in uh, uh or a lot of uh, Kinison and Stanhope. Yes. Um, but also I think. That Kinnison, like I said, kind of spawned a generation of people talking about religion mm-hmm. or taboo subjects in an angry sort of vulgar. Like, I mean, even Jim Jeffries, I think you see Kinnison in him. Uh, I would say Jim Norton. I would even say yeah. like Colin Quinn and Greg Giraldo and guys like that. Anyone with that sort of Giraldo. slanted anger that are taking on topics. Lewis Black. Lewis Black, yeah, for Lewis sure. Black. For sure. I would say Lewis Black more just with the yelling, specifically. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I think an entire generation, whether they were directly Kinnison fans or not, um, I think they're completely children of Sam Kinnison. Um, also, I think we hear more from him. I always like uh, including, we can include clips of Larry King. I find that fun. Larry so I think we King. hear from that again. <laughs> um, but what's next, Matt? Uh, the Texas Outlaws. Yeah, so uh, Kinison started his comedy career in Texas, and the Texas Outlaws, you know, as much as I loved seeing Mike stammer to get to the name oh, Bill Hicks, brutal. it's literally the next name I was going to mention. Ah, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well, oh. to give, he was on the right track, though. You know, I mean, who would have thought we were going to get to Bill Hicks next? It's it was like, in my head, and then it was just gone when like I started that talking. Ca- it's, it's like that like, camera oh. in front of you is the bar exam. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, go listen to a very good show, folks. You'll get that. Um, so, Seven yeah. Time is a charm. Kinison, Bill Hicks, and a bunch of other guys. The other rec- names I did not recognize, there was one gentleman named... <laughs> I believe Johnny Pineapple, if I'm not mistaken. So that was fun. But, uh, <laughs> I didn't recognize any of the other names. Uh, but these are kind of the bad boys of uh, Texas comedy. 
Boo. And, uh, well, but in truth, they actually were. Like, I don't think they were. It, it was this cornball group. It was guys like Kinnison and uh, Bill Hicks attacking religion at a time where now it's very easy to get on stage and be like, Catholic priests yeah. touch boys. <laughs> you know, like that. Now it's incredibly easy yeah. to bash Christianity or Catholicism. Back then it was not at all. The country was still very religious. It was Reagan, Reagan era. Yeah, you yeah. Were, you, people weren't talking about that stuff in the way. Uh, Hicks and Kinnison and Carlin yeah. and a lot of these guys were the moral majority. Yeah. Oh, yeah. by the by the way, if we're going to go in the other direction, I mean Kinnison's clearly influenced by Carlin for sure and Lenny oh, Bruce and guys yeah. like that. Um, but uh, let's hear Bill Hicks talk a little bit about the Texas Outlaws. Of course. So they kick Sam out. They kick Sam out over and over and over again. Yeah. And uh, finally, to uh, reach the point where Sam went across the street and crucified himself on a stop-and-go sign with diapers and a crucifix and ketchup for blood. Greenlee, I heard, called the police. I never knew Greenlee was such a concerned citizen about stop-and-go property. And the tensions rose until finally... This is all one night, basically. This is, all, this is Sam's, first, this Sam's first night here. <laughs> I mean, this, this, this crucifix. I don't remember what night. Okay. But this was the night he, he and Moore had a squabble. And he broke Moore's leg? Or no, this is later. This is when they, he went back. He broke a bar stool, got kicked out for two weeks. Something else happened. They kicked him out forever. Forever? Forever. He's been back there. And him. Sam, <laughs> yeah, he has been back. And uh, Sam did not take that well and went up and broke Moore's leg. It'd be great if it cut to Dennis Leary wearing the same stuff, saying the same, <laughs> the same thing. Uh, the Texas, the Massachusetts outlaws. We were a yeah. crazy bunch. His shirt just when, said Michigan State instead. When Clark <laughs> broke this guy's leg. Do you say he broke Bill Maher's leg? Uh, no, 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 no. Moore is the oh, guy. Moore. It was a club, a club owner, something more. By the way, is there any? Is there a comedian that had a less interesting speaking style than Bill Hicks? No. Oh, my God. There's also oh. an, an angered Bill Hicks, and maybe this is because I'm thinking of Dennis Leary. <laughs> like, maybe my, <laughs> my annoyance of Bill Hicks. That's the real uh, <laughs> sad thing about Bill Hicks's career, is my anger at Dennis Leary's style <laughs> transfers to him. But, like, there is an angst where it's like, well, once in a while you can be happy. Yeah. You know? Like, even, Just, like, I, I loved Bo Burnham's Inside special. Mm -hmm. Like I, maybe my favorite comedy special of all time. Yet there is an element when you're watching, like just go outside, man. You know, <laughs> like, you don't have to be miserable a, all the he time. Did he did try. <laughs> just get just head outside. He did try to go outside, man. He didn't like it. And he went yeah, back in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the reason I threw that in there is that, uh, like I said, listening to Hicks talk is, can be a little exhausting at oh. times. But there's an element of like these guys were legitimately like bad boys of comedy, you know, like I, to use that corny term, but like, as Ari Shafir says, like there's, that's gone from comedy now. Yeah. Like now it's all about the industry and, you know, even guys that are really funny that I respect a lot, like uh, Sam Morrill and Mark Norman and guys like that, like they have to focus their energy on making TikTok and, you know, doing shit that can get on Netflix or late yeah. nights, which late nights is, are kind of going away. But like everyone's focused on the business now. It's not as much of that like rebellious and that will probably, you know, it's cyclical. So maybe that'll make a comeback mm -hmm. someday. Uh, but there isn't a ton of that anymore in yeah. comedy. The way like, you know, Kinnison, Bill Hicks, like, we're, we're truly artists, you yeah, know, it's not like comedy for comedy's sake. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like they had a message that they wanted to get out there. Like mm -hmm. I think Sam Kinison's a guy that was, you know, in religion for a lot of years, saw the bullshit aspects of it and kind of wanted right. to expose yeah. it. And same with marriage. A lot of his materials about marriage, he had a failed marriage and kind of wanted to expose the flaws of the institution of marriage. Uh, and you can tell, you know, that he was obviously very passionate about that because he screamed about it so often. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's next, Matt? Um, starting as a doorman. Oh yeah, so he's he's one of these guys, uh, much like Marin, who we'll get to. Uh, but Kinnison started as a doorman at the comedy store, and that's a tradition that holds up today. Uh, Renazizi, Steve Renazizi, Ari Shafir. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other big names. Bobby but, Lee. 
I believe. Bobby Lee, yeah. Yep. Bobby Lee. A lot of guys that you know in comedy now and uh, in, in you know in past generations worked at the comedy store. And Mitzi gave him a job and you know would kind of let him on stage once in a while. And then when they kind of got their footing, they were passed as regulars and so on and so forth. And uh, Kinnison's one of the you know best examples of that. Um, like the the community that Mitzi created there. Uh, however, you know, as often happens with these religious people, <laughs> it's just so <laughs> bottled up for so many years. And then you go to the glitz and glamour of L.A., and yeah. things really start to, ooh, did Sam take to booze and coke and freebasing <laughs> <laughs> pretty quickly. <laughs> so uh, things started to go downhill there, and then I think it was not too long after. Like they said... Sam's career wasn't really on track until uh, his brother, Bill Kinnison, moved out to kind of help him get his life on straight. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think Bill became his manager as well. And I think that's when, I mean, Sam was never on the straight and narrow. He was always a fucking yeah. booze hound and, you know, doing coke and uh, all kinds of crazy shit. But uh, I think Bill at least helped get his career on straight. Yeah, you know? his brother Bill moved to L.A. and then helped him manage his career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, you know, that, that kind of got on track by, we're at like 1980, I think when he moved to LA by 1985, if correct me if I'm wrong, yep. is when he got on Rodney Dangerfield's, uh, young comedian special. We just got done talking about Louis Anderson. Yeah. He's another guy like, boy, does Rodney not get enough credit for this? Yeah. You know, everyone said Carson, Carson, Carson. Ro Rodney was showing the world so many of these young comedians. And another thing Rodney did, and by the way, shame on me for not mentioning this in the, in the Rodney episode. Um, Rodney was dirty when he wasn't on like net, like if you just saw Rodney at the comedy store, yeah. he'd be he'd be dirty. He'd tell a lot of the same jokes, but in a much dirtier fashion. Mm -hmm. So I think Rodney had a real respect for Dice, Kittison, these guys that were filthier. I think Rodney liked that. There was something about yeah. that that he that he respected because he was so, you know, kind of uh oriented on getting on TV. If you know what I mean, like you know what I mean, his yeah. act was catered to television. He rode the fence on, yeah, that. at yeah. least the act that we know. Yeah. And he was genuinely very funny, but I think he looked at guys like Dyson and Kinnison and respected that they were kind of telling the industry to go fuck themselves, which is why he probably wanted to do that show on HBO. I guess. <laughs> um, Rodney got no respect. He's, you know what, man? That's a fine point. <laughs> he should have mentioned that more. Often. I don't know if anybody ever said that. <laughs> go, going back to Comedy Store, yeah. didn't we talk about on another episode that Sam lived with uh, Dice? And so I Mark think I Marin? got that. I think I got that wrong. Oh. Okay, okay. I think I got that wrong. There's the Crest Hill house that they all lived in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, they did not. Dice and Kinnison, maybe. I don't know if they hated each other the entirety of their. Existence. Which I don't think. I think it started off that. fine. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if they ever lived there at the same time. Marin did not live there with them, but, but they all, all right. they all lived in the Crest Hill house, which was point. the house next to the comedy store that Mitzi. You know, you'd pay rent and everything, but Mitzi would like cut people breaks and let them live yeah. there and things like that. Uh, so Kinnison did live there, and another guy who lived there was uh, Mark Marin. So am I skipping ahead if I get to Marin? Uh, yeah, just a little bit, which I. Rodney's Young Comedian Specials, and then uh, the Letterman debut. Oh, yeah. You know, let's hear a little bit of that because it's mm -hmm. funny, as I'm saying this, like uh, Rodney's act has crafted a TV. It's amazing guys like Kinnison and Dice, as filthy as they were, were able to, and I think that's that's why, this is why I res eh, respect is the wrong word, but like I'm more impressed by <laughs> Seinfeld than I am Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like I probably find Curb funnier. But the idea that Seinfeld, like, for example, the masturbation episode, they don't say penis or masturbate. They don't even really reference it. They say, yeah. like, master of your domain and things like that. And they're able to make it funny. Uh -huh. Like, there is a talent to that uh, mm. that is lost now because we can say whatever we want. I mean, yeah. we can get into things we can't say. But language-wise, <laughs> we can say whatever the fuck we want. Um, that's why I'm impressed with guys like Kinnison and Dice who are able to, like, Change their act, but not completely. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Letterman uh, found interesting about guys like Kinnison. Uh, okay, well, uh, we're in for something now, folks. My next guest is making his network television debut tonight, and we believe it's long overdue. He is one of the strangest <laughs> and most original comedians working today. Brace yourselves. I'm not kidding. Please welcome Sam Kinnison. A hell of an intro. Yeah. Brace yourselves. I mean, it's, they, they're not used to hearing that. Yeah. Looks like a Bond villain. <laughs> <laughs> There's still time to call the church and call all this off. 
I know a lot of you come here, you watch TV, you wait every night for somebody to come on here and give you an answer for your lives, waiting for someone that'll come and say, hey, this is it. I don't have to settle for defeat anymore. I can rise up out of my routine. I can get a hold of myself. I don't have to lose. I can win. There's something inside me that's not going to let me go down anymore. But I'm not the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Kennison's another one of these guys where we talked about uh, Norman Lear's quote where he said, uh, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially uh, writers in Norman Lear's day uh, lived lives and b wrote based on their lives. Uh, writers now watch TV, grew up on TV and wrote based on what yeah. they saw on TV. Kinnison's a great example of that where you see a guy who like genuinely lived a life before he got into comedy. Yeah. A, a life that wasn't he wasn't even thinking of comedy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like now a lot of the guys that are in comedy have been focused on stand-up since they were, you know, 15 years old. Whereas Kinnison lived a life and then crafted an act based on that. And, you know, you don't have a lot of that now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, as I was saying, Mark Marin uh, has some wild stories with Sam Kinnison, as I imagine a lot of people do uh, from the 80s. And uh, that Letterman appearance was around 86, I think, uh, 85, same as Rodney. So this is when uh, Sam really started to get famous, is when Marin moved to L.A. to be a doorman at the comedy store, following Sam's footsteps. And it's funny, I forget if this is in the clip or not, but Marin said, like, Kinison was a guy, probably not far off from how I would have felt about him if I was around back then, but, like, Marin saw Kinison on TV and was like, and eh, that's eh, not for me, really. Like it wasn't like his type of act. Yeah. And then when he met him, he said his, it, it completely like changed, changed his opinion of him, kind of. Uh, so this is a little bit of Marin talking about some of his time with uh, the great Sam Kinison. Did you know Kinison at all? Oh yeah, I did. I did my uh, graduate work in shopping lines with Sam at the comedy store. Oh, were you I, a drug guy too? No, I, w I was a drug guy. I haven't done drugs in thirteen years. But when I was twenty-one years old, right, you I went Sam? out to Los. I went met him, dude. Dude, you hung with him. It was it was 1987. I went out there to be a comic. Right. I get a job as the doorman at the comedy store. Right. And it's right before his time. It's right before he breaks, right? Yeah. I didn't know this guy. I'd seen him once on TV and quite frankly didn't like him. <laughs> right. I was like he screams a lot. Yeah, I don't right. know what kind of comedy is that. <laughs> and I meet Carl. It was the weirdest fucking time. Dude, I met Carl LeBeau. You know Carl. Yeah, I know Carl. The first time I met him, and I thought I was a pretty, you know, Mr. Rock and Roll dude. I thought I could handle the drugs. And yeah. you know, I was doing drugs on my own. <laughs> so I'm living in this house. And Sam goes, you know, he, he's, we go one-on-one, -on -one, right? So I'd never met Sam before. And we're sitting there, and he's doing, we're doing blow. Right. And you know, it's just me and him. He's right here. He's looking me in the eye. He goes, look me in the eyes, Marin. Can't trust a man who doesn't look me in the eyes. And I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know this guy. Yeah. And I'm looking him in the eyes. I'm like, okay, I'm doing it. You know, and he's giving me the Sam riff. And like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out, man. You know, and the whole bit. All right. And then we run out of blow. Uh-oh. And he's, uh -oh. yeah, this, and, and this is the first time I meet this guy. It's like four in the morning. He's like, yeah, we need more blow. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know anybody. He's like, wait, you got a car. So we get in my car. This is the first time I met the guy. Yeah. And we're driving down Sunset, and he's like in and out of consciousness. And it's like, you know. And, I know that look. Yeah, you know, and yeah, he's yeah. like, and, and like, and then he snaps up at one point. He goes, I don't even know you. You could kill me. And I'm like, I, where are we going? <laughs> yeah, what are we doing? <laughs> but we drive to this guy's house. It's four in the morning. Yeah, you know, and Sam rings the intercom. He's like, Sam, what is up? You know, and I'm like, oh, where are we? Somewhere you know, on Crescent Heights or whatever. And we go up to this door, and Sam's like knocking on the door. And this guy opens, he opens the door. He's in a bathrobe. You know, he's got long blonde hair, and he's like, could you just be cool my roommate's sleeping? He's like, you got anything? And we go into this guy's room, and, uh, you know, and Sam just fall, he falls on the floor. And he goes, you got any, you got any booze? And, and then, like, they, <laughs> for some reason, all this guy had was miniatures. And he gives uh, Sam... Miniature bottles know, of booze. Yeah, he gives yeah. Sam, like, he gives a little bottle of vodka, so he gives a little fat Sam who's on the floor of this <laughs> mini Smirnoff bottle. So you just see Sam, he looks like a giant. You know, he's, he's just, uh, 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 it's like Gulliver in the land of booze. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he's drinking this, and he passes out. 
And I don't know the guy. The drug dealer. I, yeah, no I don't one. know Sam really. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to take off. He's like, you're not leaving him here. <laughs> right. It's like, like, your what? responsibility. Right. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I don't want him to pull a Belushi on me. Oh, wow. So now I got to walk, you know, Sam, you know, get him up and get him out and get him back to where I live. And he passes out on the floor. Like, so now he's like dedicated to like taking care of this guy he just met, <laughs> who he's not even really a fan of. Like wild shit that would happen back then. And it got to the point where Marin literally said he moved to Boston. Like, uh, Marin, re- his stand-up career really started in Boston. Yeah. And he said he had to move out there to basically, like, dry out his brain. Like, that's what- <laughs> <laughs> right. And, like, recover from the days where he was hanging out with Kinnison and shit. Um, so, as, uh, as Kinnison got more and more famous, um, he, I would say Stern, the Stern era for Kinnison was probably um, where he gained... I don't know about the most fame, but like when I hear people talk about Kinnison, a lot of it stems back to uh, the Howard Stern Howard. days. He was a regular on Stern. Um, he'd be on, like, you know, I saw, uh, listened to episodes where he was on with like Richard Lewis and things like that. Mm-hmm. And evidently, Kinnison referred to Howard as one of his best friends in show business. Um, and Stern at the time referred to Kinnison as very close to him. Now that we know Howard Stern, I don't, I'm, I question how true that was. Yeah. You know? Um, like, I just wonder if Stern ever viewed him that way or not. <laughs> but uh, Absolutely not. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know how close they really were, but uh, we get to the a, a huge beef they had. And apparently this was great radio at the time. Um, but we'll hear first Bill Kinnison. Is that what we have next? Yeah. So, we'll hear Bill Kinnison kind of sum up that uh, uh, the beef that they had before we hear it play out on uh, the Stern show. Sam had talked to to John and the band, and their riff with with uh, Howard's riff with them was as Howard felt like he he had broke them, that he had and he probably did. Uh, now they go to another radio station to promote their album instead of, instead of his, and so they got this falling out. So Sam's Mister Peacemaker, so he's talking to. Uh, John and Richie and the rest of them, and Eddie's going, uh, come on, man. Yeah, you, you and Howard go way back, and, uh, you know, let's, let's go in in the morning and, and uh, patch it up, you know. And so they agree. They'll go in with Sam in the morning. So he calls Howard. He says, hey, brother, I got Bon Jovi and everything. We're going to be coming in the morning. They want to they make peace with you. Well, Howard... His people get a hold of everybody, CNN, MTV, you name it. They're all there waiting for the big reunion of Howard and, and, and Bon Jovi. The problem is when it gets to be about 5 o'clock and we're down almost close to Atlantic City, I'm telling Sam and, and the rest of them, said, hey, guys, we got to get in some limos. We got to go up there and, and do Howard's show. Well, then they go, we're not going. And so Sam's like, what the F are you talking about? I called Howard. No, we're, we decided we're not, we're not going to go. When I ha- Sam's going, well, I can't show up. If you guys aren't going, I can't show up. He'll, he'll lynch me. And uh, so none of them show up. Now, uh, it is interesting to hear Bill Kinnison's version. However, I will say that from what I know of Sam, Kim- Sam Kinnison, he was a horrible drug addict that I can't imagine getting up for 6 a.m. radio. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if that was 100% true if he was just like, John, come on, I've got, I owe it to Howard. Yeah. But uh, evidently, this is one of these stories that Howard tells like nonstop. I guess he always references that he broke Bon Jovi. Like he's the first guy to put Bon Jovi on the air. And then Bon Jovi was disloyal by going on like Z100 and uh, WNEW and these competing stations. Uh, and Sam tried to be peacemakers, Bill was talking about. Um, but uh, it didn't work out. And Howard felt betrayed. And also, I think more so, uh, at least Howard being a radio genius at the time, knowing that it would make great radio. So he turned it into a whole thing that resulted into Sam calling in the next day. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this started as an attempted apology. Uh, but we'll listen and see where it went here. <laughs> Okay, let's go. 
at me and my girlfriends and my friends. You burned me. You burned me. I'm glad I did if this is what you're about. I'm glad I found out instead of coming here and endorsing you with my following. This makes a lot of sense. You're the only funny guy in comedy. Give me a break, man. You go after everybody. This is how you really feel. Pause for one second real quick. Sorry, I just cannot get over Kermit Howard. Jesus I know. Christ. It's crazy. Boy, without all that fucking bass. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's continue. I think you said that last night. can't take a joke. That's what's about. Well, this is how you really feel, isn't it? How do you expect me to be after two days of listening to your mouth, man? Hey, this is kind of interesting. You go to the Bon Jovi concert, you say, if I was any kind of man, I would show up. I did my video for free, right? Does that count as a man? Yeah. <laughs> The guy that did my video for free. What'd you pay Howard for, for filming in here? What'd you pay me? I'm taking pictures with dice because it's like a promo thing. What'd you pay me? Huh? What'd you pay me? Well, I pay you. You weren't in my video. No, I just sold out. I just helped you sell a lot of concerts. You're tickets. not going to be in the video. You know that. All right, so good. I hey, don't know. Like, I didn't bring any entertainment to your show. Like, I sat on there like a lump on the log. Hey, man, great, let me man. just say something. I always worked my butt off in your show every time, and I always had a blast doing it. Hey. I always look forward to it. It's the funniest radio show in the country. I thought we had a friendship, man. I thought we did, man. And I thought that I mean, we were close. Know, friends can be mad. Friends can mess up, and friends can be mad at each other and go, man, you should have done it. Hey, friends can call and say I made a mistake, too. Friends, friends can call us. me all the stuff that you've called me for Friends could have called yesterday. My shows and then make fun of my brother's suicide, man. Hey, first of all, we didn't I'm make not fun. Allowed, dude. All I right, got dude. Too. Fun of your brother's suicide. Yeah, but what do you call that little crack? Somebody wrote a letter. Somebody wrote a letter. Somebody wrote a letter. Somebody wrote. I'm over it. Uh, I hope it happens to you. Somebody wrote a letter about it. Oh, number shit. one. Do you have any family members that could do that, man? I hope they blow their brains out. Somebody wrote a letter. Oh, you know, man, you're not even listening. There's a lot of man's gonna be flying now, Fred. So, a couple things there. Uh, First of all, this is kind of a beef as old as time, where between radio guys and regulars on their show, where, Mm -hmm. like, they'll have this battle between, and like you saw O&A had the same thing with Dice, like, a a lot of, and it's basically like, uh, well, I had you on, so you owe me. I made your career. And it's like, well, I gave to your show. And the answer is they're both right. Like, Kinnison got a lot more famous because of Howard Stern, but also Kinnison was good on Howard's show. So it's like, how much do they owe each other? other. But they'll never, especially with a guy as uh, big as an ego as Howard Stern, that will never really get resolved. (laughs) Howard will always think you owe him. Um, But evidently they were able to patch things up. I think Sam was on the show after that. Mm. Um, The other interesting note from that whole rant is you hear him mention his brother's suicide a couple times. Um, Evidently, that was the first thought, that the brother uh, killed himself. And then it came out later that the brother was murdered. Oh, shit. Uh, And he talked about that in that same Larry King uh, appearance we played a little bit ago. So uh, that was what you could tell. And every time he brought that up, you could tell that weighed heavily on him for sure. Like, that fucked him up pretty bad. Um, can imagine. Yeah. And I mean, when you have a drug problem, that also doesn't help. You know what I mean? Because then you go down rabbit holes of what yeah. could I have done to stop him and all that, you know, never ending stuff. Yeah. Um, but great radio by Stern there. <laughs> and uh, also, it's funny to hear that even in the 1980s, Howard has that uh, defense of like, Make fun of his me? Make fun of his suicide? I would never. I would never use the N word. It's like uh, Howard. Come on. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm shocked. There's gambling going on in this establishment. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but you're absolutely right though about the the bass and how like different he sounds now. Uh, like, Sam, what do you mean? Woohoo, Robin! <laughs> it's like what the fuck. Tell, tell him, Fred. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, thank God Howard added bass to his voice. Yeah. People think oh, I do that, shit. by the way. On uh, not on this podcast but on the other one oh. and i was like uh i don't know how to do that so maybe i do well, after accident. meeting you in person i can attest <laughs> that you did not he's a very sexy voice in real life <laughs> it's a broadcast voice if yeah. i ever heard one my <laughs> wife has actually said that before she's like i think mike sounds really good on the radio you hear that folks yeah. the ladies get off <laughs> you hear that <laughs> mrs mike man. mrs mike yeah. thinks you sound good yeah. <laughs> well thank god um what's next, important Matthew? Uh, he turns his feud to Dice. Ah, uh, yes, of course. So another feud he had. Uh, Dice was great with, I mean, I'm sorry, Kinnison was great with feuds, as, <laughs> I, as I found out through my reason. There was another story where uh, he didn't show up, uh, to kind of back up what I said about the Bon Jovi thing, uh, him and Joan Rivers had beef because I guess he just Jesus. didn't he didn't show he didn't show up to Joan Rivers like he just slept through it or something like that <laughs> when uh, Joan had her talk show. So that was a very publicly uh, done out thing. Um, this clip is... It's Kinnison on Larry King, right? Yes, correct. Okay, so briefly, I'll just... uh, They had real beef, 
And there were a lot of reasons, which I'll explain after Sam explains. Um, but they, like they brutally went at it. Like, uh, yeah. do you guys remember Dice? The clip of Dice going on Arsenio Hall and crying. Yeah, yeah. So Sam was on Arsenio Hall not long after that, and Arsenio was asking him about his career, and Dice is going, "Well, when you put," I mean, Kinnison's going, "When you put yourself out there, like just completely <laughs> mocking him, getting up and pretending to cry." <laughs> it was great. The quality wasn't great, so I didn't include it, but. Um, let's hear Kinnison explain uh, the the beef between the two. I think he was very unprofessional, and I think he's a jerk. I've known him for about 10 years, and I think he's like the Morton Downey Jr. of comedy. He'll, he'll be a big mouth for about a year, and then he'll burn out. There's not well, which one is, he, is he dead, off. Sam? <laughs> <laughs> which one of you made it, you yeah. scumbag? He looks like The Undertaker right there. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. I think... Uh, side note, I think Kinnison could have been a very good dramatic actor, too. Oh, yeah. Like, I think if he had lived long enough, I could see him in dramatic ro- Kind of, to bring up Stanhope again, uh, that one episode of Louie that Stanhope was in, mm-hmm. I, that's the type of role I think Kinnison would have been great at. Yeah. Great episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Sam. Continue. I, I think he looks more like Paul Bear, actually. <laughs> I don't know. He's pretty bloated and <laughs> weird looking. <laughs> no. All you have to do is play my album from 1986 and his current album, and you can find two or three jokes that I did oh. back years ago. And he, all he did was reiterate them. So I can't wait for his career to die out like Larry Storch. <laughs> so there's a lot there. There's What Kinnison's saying there is basically Dice stole yeah. from him. Um, there's also an element of, I heard, oddly enough, I think T.J. Miller bring this up. Mm-hmm. I heard T.J. Miller accusing someone of stealing his essence. Uh, meaning, like, this guy didn't take jokes from me, but, like, kind of stole my... I think he was talking about Pete Holmes, maybe. Uh, like, stole my personality, basically. Mm. Like, pers- the, the vibe that he, oh, that he I, gives off. God, I fucking hope not. And I think there's a little bit of that with so- Sam and Dice, where they are, like, they have the same vibe, and I think because mm. Dice is a character... Yeah. That Kinnison looked at that with disrespect. I personally think Dice is like kind of a genius. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the fact that he was able to do that for as long as he did, and people don't know that it's Andrew mm-hmm. Silverstein doing a character. They yeah. think he's just some big dumb <laughs> schmuck from uh, Brooklyn, you know? If TJ Miller actually said that, I'm going to talk about his allegations more. Ugh. Oh, God. I, I really Stealing. like Pete Holmes, too, by the way. <laughs> what a threat. <laughs> yeah. TJ, watch out. Yeah. Craig, Craig is going to talk about your allegations. I'm, Iron heads on the case. I'm going to make <laughs> I'm going to make this trend on Twitter. Oh, no. If he said something that disgusting. Yeah. Would somebody walk by a frat house yeah. dumpster to steal yeah. his essence? Uh, well, that'll oh, be boo. He's uh, like a... a, a he might be gay. He might not be nerd. That's his Craig, essence. Craig's gonna get on it. He's Who a real. Cares? He's a real dumb shoe. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, how can you say you stole your essence? He's an alt comic. Uh, Who gives a shit? I wasn't, way, we're not re- talking about him. Sorry, it just enraged me. <laughs> and how many stand up minutes did he do? Folks, yeah, right. Not enough. Check. I love those. I love those references that Kinnison had All too. Right. Larry Storch and Morton Downey <laughs> Jr. <laughs> I looked up Larry Storch. And I, I was like, I don't know this person. <laughs> They're great. There's something uh, Artie Lang. Ta- I heard Artie Lang talk about this. <laughs> Uh, where including full names is very important to stories because it yeah. just adds an element, like a, a kind of an un, ind, undefinable thing about a story. But when you say Larry Storch, <laughs> yeah. that's so much better than just saying, like, some hack, you know? Well, dude, it's, it's, <laughs> Jim uh, Norton does that a lot when he talks about... Um, uh, my his, friend Bill D'Angelo. Yeah, 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 Bill yeah, yeah. Let's go throw hot oil on him. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. fucking story. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know, if you're interested, you can find uh, Craig's six-part series on T.J. Miller. But we're <laughs> we're going to get back into Sam here. <laughs> he put a bomb threat on a train. You guys know that? I know uh, that. <laughs> De- um, Detective Craig, you're a real dumb shoe. <laughs> I'm going to fucking get this guy. Um, so, I enjoy it. Um, so, yes, uh, his, his beef with Dice. There are a lot of rumors as to why this started. I think they used to be friends, and I've heard Rogan talk about, uh, I think Norton talk about this as well, where it got very misconstrued where, like, Dice really does look or looked up to Kinnison. Like, I don't think Dice ever hated Kinnison the way Kinnison hated Dice. But I think, like I said, because Kinnison is talking about things from his life, like yeah. divorce and religion and that sort of thing, and Dice is playing a character, for whatever reason, Kinnison wasn't able to 
grasp that and could never respect him for it. It, it would be like if Jeff Foxworthy hated Larry the Cable Guy <laughs> for being disingenuous. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great analogy. Yeah, <laughs> that's perfect. Um, so uh, there were a lot of things like. There was one story that I don't think I included because it was it was a couple of nobodies talking about it, um, and it was very convoluted the way that they were telling the story. But the gist of it was very interesting, in that uh, so there's a there's a bullet in the sign of or a bullet hole in the uh, back of the comedy store sign, and uh, that is from one Sam Kinison <laughs> who coked up one night, came to the store looking for dice with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> And just started firing it. <laughs> that, sh- that shouldn't be funny, but it really is. Well, Dice is still with us, so I think that's why it's funny. But, but yeah. People uh, just used to not get in trouble back in the day. Right? What the fuck? It was so much easier to get away with crime. You know? <laughs> there, wasn't, there wasn't CCTV on every corner. Yeah, there weren't these looky-loos. You yeah. know, these nosy Nellies trying to get in our business all the time. Was he banned from the store after that? Nah. Probably not. Nah. <laughs> he, probably had, he probably headlined the next day. Uh, yeah, Mitzi started paying him after that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he means business. Yeah. yeah. Um, we didn't have Craig looking into his comedic background, no. searching for allegations of gun crimes. <laughs> he didn't no. say anything absolutely repulsive. T.J. Miller's the real, the real <laughs> victim. Yeah, let's, here. let's not lose focus, <laughs> T.J. Miller. <laughs> uh, what's next? Before I do lose focus, what's next? Uh, well, the next <laughs> clip is his last words. Really? We're there already? Yeah. Huh. Um, all right. Well, before we get there, uh, Kinnison was basically, I mean, I guess that does make sense now that I'm thinking about it, because he had a fairly short career. Like, yeah. he, was, he was only active 12 years, which mm-hmm. is, to put that into perspective, uh, we'll talk, or we did talk about Greg Giraldo, who uh, was around for 18 years. Mm-hmm. And I would still say, like, he hadn't quite, you know, hit the pinnacle of his career. Yeah. But to put that even more perspective, Tim Dillon, Shane Gillis, uh, Mark Normand, Sam Morrill, these guys I mention all the time that are very young in comedy, I believe they have all done more than 12 years. Or, and they're considered yeah. very young in comedy. Yeah, or, mm-hmm. right, or right at it. Yeah. yeah. So the idea that Kinison did 12 years in comedy, like, I don't know if people uh, – quite understand how short a time in comedy that is because you know 12 years for a career is a long time but in comedy that's nothing like you know louis and bill burr and these guys didn't get famous till they were in their 40s it yeah. shows how powerful those late night shows actually were yeah for sure yeah yeah rodney and uh, uh letterman and shit like that and how good they really he really was too yeah and how impactful. much how much more impactful you could be back then and like the i mean obviously, yeah. i'm sure we'll do a letterman episode at some point but like the brilliance of Letterman to bring in these weird guys, mm-hmm. whether it's you know Kinnison or like a guy like Chris Elliott who we had on the show a lot. Chris Elliott. These these weird guys that Letterman found like saw something in and yeah. was able to kind of give them you know an outlet for their comedy and how mm-hmm. you know what to Howard's credit as much as I don't respect what his career has become mm-hmm. Howard was the same way. Who else would put fucking Gilbert? Who would make Gilbert Godfrey to star on the radio? If not, <laughs> I mean, or TV, quite frankly. Yeah, that's but, fair. <laughs> but like, who you know, like Gilbert wouldn't have had a platform to be himself. Yeah, uh, you know, he would have been the the parrot in Aladdin. That's all we'd know him for. Yeah. Um, so credit to those guys for giving guys like that a platform. But and Chris um, Elliott, star of Cabin Boy, that was a good reference. Well, I like Chris Elliott. <laughs> he was in Shit's Creek. He's done yeah, some you're things. Right, you're right. Oh, I like Chris Elliott too. I just think Cabin Boy is hilarious. <laughs> um, he was also in Scary Movie Two. That's right. He had the little mini hand. Yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, to to build up to our last clip here, I guess we should say uh, that Kinnison, as we mentioned, wild and crazy career, and he would tour. He had like his guys. Like I think he brought Marin around with him a little, but like I said, Marin wasn't out there too long. Um, but he had his main guy, his right hand man, was a guy named Carl LeBeau. And uh, Carl would travel with him all the time. Like they were, you know, thick as thieves. Uh, and boy, would they do some partying. And, uh, you know, they'd get uh, coked up together and maybe share some of the same women, which led to some uh, strange times. But remember, they were, so they, these guys are like two best friends. And uh, then Carl LeBeau had a kid. And you know, kind of tried to get his life on the uh, uh, the straight and narrow a little bit, I suppose. Um, 
So which clip do we have first, Matt? Uh, the last words are first, but we can... Okay. So, no, I want to do that first, actually. Okay. Uh, so, you know, Carlo Bo is a kid. He's trying to get his career uh, together and maybe start headlining on his own rather than opening for Sam. Uh, Sam got into a horrible car accident. Um, and the de- So, Carlo Bo tells this story on uh, the Showtime special that I always mention about the Comedy Store, which is a six-part series on a Showtime that if you guys haven't seen mm-hmm. it, definitely check it out. Very good. Uh, but Car- Carlo Bo told this story, and that was like the first. I mean, this was a long time ago that I saw that, but that was the first time I met. I was like, oh, I'd like to do. Like, I thought about doing a podcast like this where I talk about this type of story. <laughs> so Sam Kinison uh, gets into a car accident. Carlo Bo is able to get to him, and uh, this is what Carlo Bo and uh, Kinison say to each other for the for the last time. Uh, yeah. And when I got to the car. Sam's body was laying across the middle, and that's when I noticed that just the steering column was there. He had taken out the steering wheel with his chest, and he had hit into the windshield. So he had a little blood on his forehead, a little blood out of his nose, and he was just taking deep breaths. And I said, don't move, buddy, don't move. And then he forced himself out of the car and landed on me, and I fell to protect him, and I was on my butt. And he was laid across my arms, and he was looking up, and he started talking to whoever was there that he saw, and he was going, I don't want to die. I don't want to die now. And I, and I, I said, you're not going to die, man. I got you. And then it dawned on me that he wasn't there, that he was seeing somebody. He goes, I don't want to die now. But why now? Oh. I shut and I felt him go right through my face. But it wasn't until someone came up and, and shook me and said, how's he doing? And then I realized that he's gone. He's gone. And after that, then time turned back into time. Wild fucking story, huh? Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, it's strange. Like, Very I always... Hollywood. Have, I have yeah. a tough time... When I hear stories like that, I have a tough time believing them. Particularly because Sam's life was so involved with the with religion, mm-hmm. but then I, weirdly, like there's also a similar story associated to Bill Hicks, where Bill Hicks's last words were a little weird, like he'd found God or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, for whatever it's worth, I found that to be a fascinating story. Uh, particularly if it's true, obviously, <laughs> that that's how <laughs> Sam died. Maybe he found religion in his last moments. Who knows? Mm. Uh, but that's probably about as close as two guys could be, as uh, you know, your brother basically is dying in your arms. Yes. Uh, and then, mm. you know, some years go by, and you find out this about you know your boy that, that you loved so much and kind of uh, you know made your. Made your career really, like changed your life, uh, Sam Kinison. And then uh, posthumously, you start to hear some things. Well, a year after he died, uh, right after that tribute show aired, yeah, I couldn't make a child support payment. So I called my ex to talk to her about how we could work this out. Right. And in that conversation, she started crying. And she said, I've got something to tell you. We never meant to hit you. We never meant to hurt you. We, Carl, it just got so convoluted. And I go, what are you saying? She's not yours. Angelica's not yours. It's Sam's. We didn't know oh. what to do. We were the, you know, Jesus. the yeah. biggest fist in the face yeah. you could ever I, imagine. I can't imagine. It, it, it took... My whole, I mean, in one moment, I spun back to every single memory I ever had with Sam. Yeah. And that, what he's saying there is basically, you know, remembering every lie that, like, what what was true, what was real. Shit. Like, your entire relationship, uh, you know, flashes before you. So if you go back and listen to that episode with Carlo Bo, who recently passed away, by the way, uh, mm. passed away about a year ago, I think. Uh, so rest in peace, Carlo Bo. But- Think about that. This guy's making child support payments. Like, that's his kid. Again, I don't know how present a father he was or anything, but regardless, like, he's helping raise this child in some form or fashion. Also, um, the thing he was talking about with Marin was um, he, you know, Sam had died at this point, and Carlo Bo went from playing arenas, you know, Madison's opening at Madison Square Garden and making 
uh, crazy money to now he can't get headlining gigs. So he's having a tough time just fucking paying his bills and mm-hmm. trying to figure out what his career is and everything. Um, and so as he told Marin, they he knew that Sam had been with this girl in some form or fashion. Um, and uh, he had, actually had a pretty funny line where he said uh, the the girl that mothered his child, mm-hmm. he said uh, she was bipolar. But like in the 80s, we just called that a party girl. We didn't know. <laughs> we didn't know what the fuck that meant. So, you know, they knew that they had both hooked up with her. But then uh, Carla Bo started a relationship with her, and Sam uh, told him that they'd never done anything post that, and they tried to start a family together. Sam said he'd never been with her, and apparently that was a complete lie. And then, like, the rumor was around for years because, uh, you know, I guess the kid looked a little like Sam and the same mm-hmm. hair color and everything, and Carla Bo just convinced himself that it wasn't true. Uh, but sure enough, <laughs> Sam... Uh, had told people in his life, I guess he told uh, Carla Bo went to Bill Kinnison, Sam's brother, and asked him about this. And Bill said, yeah, like Sam confided that in me and, and, and he was very, you know, broken up about it and didn't really know what to do and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, you know, probably not a great guy, Sam Kinnison at the end well, of the day. I mean. <laughs> Uh, all right. Cocaine's no is a hell of a drug. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> no, that, that, that is just awful. I'm still yeah, like, right? Jesus Christ. Yeah, wild yeah, that story. That sucks. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot, I mean, there's a ton to talk about this now between what guys like Bill Cosby or R. Kelly or people like that. Mm. Um, there's a lot of talk about like separating the art from the artist, but what we kind of neglect is there are a lot of guys throughout the history of entertainment that, you probably wouldn't call good guys, you know? Like, as far as I know, Sam doesn't have the litany of rapes under his belt that Bill Cosby has. (laughs) But based on that story, kind of a shitty dude, at least at times, whatever, you know? Um, So I think that's why you kind of have to say, like, Sam, probably not the best guy, but if you look at what he did in comedy, is he spawned a a generation of people kind of, you know, keeping up the trend of what he created, Mm-hmm. Um, so Sam's definitely definitely one of the greats. Not a Hall of Fame uh, dad by any means, but, yeah. but one of the greats. Yeah, definitely some bad in comedy. You got Sam Kinison, Bill Cosby, T.J. Miller, all bunch of <laughs> yes, disgusting <laughs> yes. people. And all will have podcasts devoted to them uh. once Craig takes up his new project, Miller Time. Uh, <laughs> wherever you get podcasts, I, there's a great there's a great read by the way from uh, the Daily Beast. This article, Silicon Valley star T.J. Miller. Have you been looking that up while oh we're God. doing this? No, no, no. Oh, God, <laughs> he's accused of sexually assaulting and punching a woman. I just want that well, out there. Jesus, Wait a sexual minute. assault and regular assault <laughs> wrapped up in one. Both. Way to bring this episode to a grinding halt. Jesus Christ. Uh, I mean, you can't really get worse than, by the way, that kid's not yours. She's seven. Well, it was about the topic we were discussing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, So, Jesus. go to patreon.com slash blindmike, I guess. Uh, <laughs> listen to a very good show for you know, more. You don't have to plug us for more because of that. We up, don't deserve uplifting it. chatter like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but do if you if you do uh, do a podcast or anything, uh, audio, video, whatever, um, come down to a Vaulted Podcast in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. VaultedPodcastsRI.com and uh, Matt from RI on Twitter. Just hit him up. Tell him you uh, looking to use the studio. What can we what can we make happen? Here? He's the best. <laughs> yep, um, he is. So go do all that. Go to patreoncom slash mike, Subscribe and uh, do all the things that every other podcast tell you to do. And uh, <laughs> anything else on uh, Sam Kinison before we get out of here? No. No, we went the whole episode without it. Oh, wow. Yes, thank God for that. <laughs> we almost did. Thank I mean, you. <laughs> yeah. We like to think we're not hacks here. Well, that is that <laughs> is one thing. Without I, hearing it from him is what I mean. That is one thing I meant to mention is that I was thinking about that as I was like looking up clips. The uh, level of respect in the Sam Kinison yell versus the Tim Allen grunt, <laughs> I think really is a testament to how far uh, good material goes. <laughs> yeah, you, don't, you, don't, you don't ever hear uh, Rogan going, rrr, rrr, yeah. rrr. <laughs> so, so that'll be our uh, sign off to the great Cam, Sam Kinison. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week on Why You Laughing.